Alright, alright, so welcome to the first episode of the Players Unified Podcast. I'm super excited. Uh, I am Jabrell and I will be the host of this podcast. Now this is the inaugural episode, so I probably should explain what this podcast is all about. So basically, this is going to be the podcast component to a video series I had started on my YouTube channel solely dedicated to basically uplifting black creators and black artists in the games industry and giving them a chance to express their voice, showcase their work. And so I created this podcast to have those conversations. Now, obviously, with that kind of format, it's going to be partially, at least partially, a guest-based podcast. But every other episode or so will be a kind of solo cast with just me kind of going over some major stories in the games industry related to you know, intersectionality, race in the games industry, and stuff like that. And giving you guys my kind of two cents, and then maybe at the end of the podcast, I can give you guys kind of a game recommendation or artist recommendation for somebody in the industry, a person of color, to support. Now, obviously, this was a podcast that I've been meaning for to do for a long time, and I was having kind of the trouble because I was like, these are conversations that need to be had with many voices, not just myself. So I'm reaching out to different people trying to find guests, but obviously getting guests for a non-proven podcast is not the easiest thing in the world. But luckily, there are other podcasts that have similar motives and missions to me. So I'm going to reach out to a lot of them and hopefully we can make something to get going. I already have one guest I think kind of solidified. That's probably going to be in the next episode, if not the episode after that. Um, I'm not exactly sure if this is going to be weekly or bi-weekly. I'm still kind of working that out. I'm still working out the kinks. It is the first episode, so forgive me. But uh, so yeah, that's the, the main kind of crux of the podcast, and I guess I should explain who I am. So again, my name is Jabrell. Um, I work as a data analyst full-time, but I'm also kind of like a full-time gamer. I've been gaming my entire life. I'm platform agnostic, got a lot of love for PlayStation, Sega, Xbox, Nintendo, you name it. I kind of like everything. And I definitely have kind of more of a love for more retro properties. I'm a big NES fan and a big Genesis fan, so that's kind of like what I predominantly play. But I also play very modern stuff as well, pretty much all the main AAA releases out of PlayStation and Xbox and stuff like that too. I play all those too. Um, I am an outsider to the game industry, so take what I have to say, I guess, my commentary about the game industry with a grain of salt. I haven't worked in the game industry. I do intend on kind of forging those connections long term and maybe finding a way to work with you know diversity initiatives and stuff like that in the games industry to help black voices and specifically color people of color in the industry be able to get their voices heard and their art seen and i would love to play a role in that i don't have any necessarily like you know on resume skill doing that but i have a lot of passion uh to do that so I guess that's uh, selling myself. So I guess we can run into the first topic, which is a big Fortnite event that happened. And they hosted the We the People program. And it was focused on conversations about race in America. Now, obviously, beyond the kind of Fortnite connection, this is a story that way transcends just the gaming industry. But this is kind of an example of the race conversation happening in America right now, kind of bleeding into the games industry in a really positive way. And I think there's something that definitely should be highlighted. So on Saturday morning, July 4th, Fortnite hosted an event uh, hosted by the awesome Van Jones of CNN and the amazing journalist Jamel Hill. Uh, now, I know some people have issues with Van Jones, but I have always appreciated from because I, I feel like he does a lot of the legwork. So he he might not always do things in the way that I'd prefer him to do it, but at the end of the day, his 
goals align with mine, which is the social and economic upliftment of black people in America. And I feel like as long as he's doing the hard work there on the streets and trying to get legislation passed, it might not be perfect legislation, but I can appreciate somebody on our side working that side of the fence. Uh, also, the amazing journalist Jamel Hill was hosting it as well. They had a ju- journalist and uh, working editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue, Elaine Welteroth, and rapper and activist Killer Mike were also featured as guests. And it also highlighted the amazing record, The Bigger Picture by Lil Baby, which is an amazing record if you haven't checked it out. He typically doesn't make super conscious music, so seeing a rapper like him be able to dive into that world was pretty awesome. And this event was thrown in the Party Royale space. Now, for you guys who are not familiar with Fortnite, Fortnite is a game of many modes. There is a original kind of PvE mode, and then there was the Battle Royale mode. Within the Battle Royale mode, you have basically, you know, drops 100 people into the map and you kill each other. Well, over time, they've released more and more new modes and one of them is called party royale which is basically you have access to a modded version like an adjusted version of that main battle royale island where there's no deadly weapons or anything like that and it's basically a space where you can chill talk to friends hang out screw around drive vehicles shoot paintballs do all this dumb kind of stuff without the whole like time constraints of like oh you know 100 people on a map you have to kill each other you have to win so it's a more chill experience and this is where they threw the we the people program so i went to it in the morning i think i think it started off in my my area at 8 36 or 9 36 in the morning so it was pretty early and it was just under an hour if i'm not mistaken and i had a great time watching it and i was just so impressed that they would get voices like these and put them into this world and i think this is the exact the exact kind of work that needs to be done which is basically take the target demographic, go to where they are, and put them in front of the voices that need to be heard. And so they chose four immensely educated people on the subject. And these were the this is the exact kind of progress that needs to be made. It's just going into their world. Because, yeah, you can go up there and preach on Soapbox, on MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, or whatever. But at that point, in many ways, you're preaching to the choir. The people who are going to be receptive to it already heard that message. And so now you're kind of going into a new world. And, yes, some Fortnite players, a lot of Fortnite players, are probably not going to be interested in this message. They're going to see this playing on the screen and walk the hell away. But I feel like if, hey, if 10, 15, 20 a hundred people hear this message and are ever so slightly more educated about it then I think it is I mean it's well worth it and I think the way they kind of phrased it and the way they were having the conversations that we're having was not only high concept in terms of tackling the nuances of race conversation in America but palatable and accessible enough for the average person who might not be super educated on race dynamics in America so I think it, it is a really positive thing that should be really highlighted. I haven't seen too many people talk about it. And I guess because there's always some story coming out of Fortnite because it's just such a massive entity that, you know, I'm sure it gets overlooked in many ways. But in the current climate of this, this country, any positive moves like that, especially coming from the game industry, I think is worth celebrating and is generally a positive thing. And the good thing, it, it wasn't monetized. It wasn't put behind any paywall or anything like that so in, in, in no way is anybody profiting off any nonsense Fortnite either they didn't have to do that typically they dedicate it to like steve aoki type concerts and edm stuff like that travis scott so seeing them kind of lending their platform and their technology to something substantive 
I think is not only a positive move, but kind of a mark for change and a general direction that the future of Fortnite can be way beyond just kind of music concerts is that you can have pretty in-depth conversations there. And as long as there's somebody there to listen and to be receptive to it, then I'm, I'm sure Fortnite will more than happily lend their services and Epic Games lend their services uh, to these you know these individuals and with their platform so that was a fantastic thing and i just wanted to highlight that uh so i guess we can move on to the second topic at this point and it's about playstation removing all advertising from uh, facebook and instagram so in support of the hashtag stop hate for movement profit movement sony has decided to suspend advertising in july uh this movement is described on their site as a diverse and growing coalition that wants Facebook to take common sense steps to address the rampant racism, disinformation, and hate on its platform. It includes some of the most prominent civil rights groups and nonprofit organizations in the country, including the ADL, Color of Change, Common Sense, Free Press, LULAC, or L-U-L-A-C, uh, Mozilla, NAACP, National Hispanic Media Center, and the Sleeping Giants. This is all from their site, by the way, so I'm going to link that down below of the at least the YouTube version that you could go check out their website and get all more information. So according to them, uh, Facebook's policies and enforcement on hate speech and incitement of violence and misinformation are astonishingly weak and disproportionately harm uh, by POC or BIPOC, Black and Indigenous People of Color, uh, and LGBTQIA plus users. Large groups dedicated to hate and violent conspiracies grow unchecked, and Facebook often recommends users join these groups. Political ads contain bold-faced lies and outright voter suppression, misinformation and conspiracies on COVID-19 vaccines. Climate change and the Holocaust are considered matters of debate. Victims of online harassment are left with virtually no support, and businesses add or run alongside hateful content. So this is all taken from kind of their FAQ on their website. So if you were curious about what the hashtag Stop Hate for Profit movement's all about, there you go. Uh, so PlayStation followed numerous other companies, including Starbucks, Ford, and Coca-Cola, and pulling all advertising from Facebook and Instagram to at least the end of July. Um, it's interesting that they put a date on that because, again, if I was them, I'm like, listen, you're not getting a single ad and you're not going to generate a single ad dollar related to PlayStation or whatever company until these, you know, our, our concerns are addressed in full. So putting that kind of like at least the end of July thing, I mean, I say screw a deadline. Just like get what we want done or you're not getting, you're not going to have any connection with us, period. The move will see the removal of all advertising on the social media platforms, both paid and unpaid. And so... I think this is a very interesting thing, and I feel like in many times I've seen multiple people in the games industry talk about like speaking with your dollars, and I feel like this is PlayStation leveraging its strength and its name recognition and the powers of their advertisements for social change, and I think that's generally a good thing. Now, for you guys who don't know a little bit of background on Facebook, is they have a fundamentally different kind of approach to content moderation and curation than for example twitter for example we knew with the last election that there was some significant issues with fake news on facebook and people had different ideas about how that should be remedied some people and the extent of how that kind of swayed our current state of being 
is up for debate. I mean, some people think it played a bigger role. Some people didn't, judging by how much, for example, like Russian dollars went into fake news campaigns and stuff like that. But that's a whole different can of worms. I'm not going to necessarily open. But I think it's really, really interesting to see all these companies kind of pull out of Facebook specifically. And I'm curious to see if it's able to force Facebook's hand and what they feel like. Because again, Zuckerberg's come out and he has significant concerns about the kind of overlap about like stopping fake news and suppressing conservative voices. That's in his mind. What his concern is, my personal opinion is kill fake news in any form, period. I don't care if it's from a left-wing, a right-wing organization, a centrist, whatever. Take it out. And if it disproportionately affects a certain group, then that is more for them to figure out and less to do with the social media companies personally. That's what I feel like. If if they have a hard, hard policy against flourishing, you know, hateful content and stuff like that, that, mind you, this fake news movement and, and misinformation campaigns overwhelmingly disproportionately affect people of color in America, at least. So... If you're on the side of equality and the social and economic upliftment of people of color in this country, then you need to dead the fake news thing. And if you deading all the fake news that you guys come in contact with and that disproportionately affects the right, that's time That's time for the right to have some self-reflection. That's not something that you need to play middle ground Mr. PC, man, make sure you know everybody's happy, make sure Trump doesn't get too pissed off. Like I don't think that's necessarily a place that Facebook needs to be. But ultimately, I'm curious to see if they're able to leverage any of this change and see how long this actually plays out. Uh, Because, again, I think that's a point that's frequently underlooked, which is the effect of fake news on people of color. And especially that's kind of like a soft version of the voter suppression that we see way more overtly, even in places like Georgia like that and stuff like that. So obviously, many people, you might listen to this and like, what does this have to do with games? And obviously, it's the inclusion of PlayStation in this. And I'm curious to see if other entities in the games industry join in as well. That And I'm, I mean, I'm pretty much calling on like Nintendo, Xbox, EA, Ubisoft, like Bethesda. You guys need to follow suit. And if you want to see change, you need to hold the people with those powers accountable. And Facebook right now is, is in a position to enact some real change and quell some of the toxic nonsense that's been festering on their website for quite some time. I mean, I don't, I'm not a Facebook user that often. I go on every once in a while. It's not really my thing. But in the short time that I I go on there, I mean, I see the nonsense and misinformation and the hateful, straight up racist rhetoric that I see on that on a regular basis that just kind of gets to remain on there unchecked because I guess Facebook is too worried to suppress certain parties and they're, they're playing the partisan nonsense and I, I just don't think that's a time for that i don't think racism is a partisan issue i think it's an issue of right and wrong black and white moral or immoral that's that's how i look at it personally and i'm not somebody who typically likes to deal in binaries but when it comes to racism i don't think it's a nuanced issue really i think it's like treat people with respect and call people out on their bullshit pretty much and when people are leveraging a platform for evil it's that platform's responsibility to pivot its strategy and so mark zuckerberg kind of doubling down and refusing to you know quell the enemy where it is i mean that that's that shows the stance that they're ultimately concerned more about the user engagement of a certain demographic than actually protecting their most vulnerable and marginalized users 
And so I think that says a lot about them. And I'm hoping way more companies follow suit. Because, I mean, hey, that's if you want to hit a company, I don't think you legislate it away. I think you just pull, you hit them in the bank account, man. Make that, those numbers go to red. Pull those advertising dollars out of the company. And then you'll see, you'll see some change, really. Because that's what corporate entities respond to is just the bottom line, the, the dollar amount. So I think this is a positive thing. I want to see way more companies, especially in the games industry, follow suit. Because, again, we're in a moment of flux right now where these game companies and developers and publishers are looking for more ways to one be more inclusive be more receptive to the concerns of people of color in this country and find a way to include them more into these conversations and that ultimately takes form in many ways we need way more people of color in these boards in these corporate heads making these decisions and we need people in charge and, and people of color in these marketing industries who can make that call to be like, we're not putting any advertising and any money in the pocket of anybody whose vision does not align with ours, period. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm with that. So yeah, that's the second story. It's going to be a little bit of a shorter show today. Um, I don't have a, like a set time. I'm expecting it to go around 40 minutes a week. This week, it's going to probably be closer to 30. Uh, but obviously, once I have a guest on and stuff like that, things are going to go way longer. So this week's game recommendation is Swim Sanity. Now it's a multiplayer underwater shooter with an action-packed co-op and versus game mode, all supported by online and local play. You play as the hero Muba, who uses a variety of unique power-ups and weapons to survive in the aquatic world. Uh, this was released back in 2019 and is developed by Decoy Games. Now this is actually a game that I lightly talked about on the newest episode of the Neo Vintage News on the Neo Vintage um, YouTube channel that this podcast will be at least temporarily hosted on um so let's get a little bit into decoy games so decoy games is an indie game company founded by two technically talented brothers and later joined by a longtime sidekick who they have known since preschool and this is all taken off their website by the way uh with no prior professional game development experience they use their deep passion for video games and extensive imagination to start building team decoy it was founded in 2012 and they are based out of boston mass this is absolutely fantastic, and I was really, really inspired by these guys. Uh, first off, the game is really, really fun. I picked it up on Switch, and I'm having a fantastic time with it. So go check that out if you have a Switch or if you have Steam or anything. Go check out this game. It's, it's pretty readily accessible, and if you're looking for anything co-op and, and multiplayer-focused, then this is definitely the game for you. But what really impressed me was obviously founded by the Decoy Games being founded by two people of color, but on top of that... You know, them not having that prior experience really inspired me because I myself love video games. But yes, I, I don't really know how to code. and But I do have a vision. I've always been writing and drawing and being really creative. And this definitely inspired me to move towards getting into some degree of game development myself. And uh, obviously that might not mean too much to you guys because I'm sure like some people who are watching have way more technical skill to me. And it's like, look at this guy. He has no skills. He's going to jump at the game industry. And... I'm going to say, listen, I'm willing to put into work to learn what I got to do, but these guys are really inspiring to me, and I definitely had to highlight their their game this week for my first episode of the podcast. So that's most of the show that I have for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, I would say, please excuse me. It's going to get a lot of, it's going to get a lot better. My previous podcast that I had, uh, the Neo Vintage podcast, ran for about 17 episodes, and it was it, I was only a co-host on it, so I was kind of used to bouncing back 
and forth ideas with another person. This isn't the first time that I've kind of done a podcast completely on my own. So obviously that takes some adjustment. I did record a little podcast to run through all the kind of like the kinks and kind of get through the more awkward aspects of it. So I apologize if the podcast is not the most fluid in the world. It's a little jumpy. It's a little disconnected. I swear the podcast will get a lot better, but I kind of just wanted to get at least some content out there for you guys so you can get a semblance of what I'm trying to do. And uh, hopefully I can get way more voices on this podcast that can have conversations with me about race and video games and the importance of having people of color involved in the creative process, creating what we all love, video games. So till next time, this is the Players Unified Podcast, Episode 1. I love you guys. Bye.